KUOZ 100.5 is an FCC-licensed radio station operated by the University of the Ozarks, Clarksville, Arkansas. Hello, and thank you for tuning in. You are listening to From the Concert Hall with your hosts Corbin Sturch and Zachary Payne. Your vintage radio program here on KUOZ 100.5 FM. Community radio produced by the Radio Television Video Department here at University of the Ozarks in Clarksville, Arkansas. From the concert hall plays some of the famous artists of the past, as well as features a few of our very own from right here at home. So sit back, relax, and enjoy as we take you live right here to our very own little concert hall. Hello and welcome to From the Concert Hall. I'm your host, Corbin Sturch. And I'm Kathleen Mowry. And this week, we actually don't have a guest on the show for the first show and I don't even know how many shows. <laughs> uh, a couple. I think the last time we didn't have a guest was uh, when we just talked about British music. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess that's only been a week ago, though, hasn't it? Really? I don't remember. Seems like forever. It, it does. We, we've we been so bombarded with finals and the show with guests. Just, I didn't even think that, oh, it's only been a week. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, but this week on From the Concert Hall, we're going to get back to our Music of the Ages series, which is what kicked off the show this season. We're finally getting to romantic music. Now, that's not like love songs and ballads and things <laughs> like that. No, we're talking about romantic era. Chopin, Brahms, composers like that. Now, Kathleen, you actually have a bit of information about our first composer tonight, do you not? Yes. We are talking about Friedrich Chopin. And uh, Chopin started out, uh, he was born in Poland, um, and he lived in Warsaw. And for the first 20 years of his life, he was writing, he was composing, he was doing really great. He, He did most of his composing at this time. Um, he was a child prodigy. Um, and then about a month before the November uh, 1830 uprising in Warsaw, he left. And he went to Paris and he settled there for a little while. And uh, he spent basically the the last 18 years of his life. He died pretty early. Um, but he, uh, he spent the last 18 years of his life in Paris. Um working on music and he did a lot of he didn't do a lot of public performances he preferred like a a private salon atmosphere atmosphere um performing for small groups of people he would do piano lessons and sell his compositions and um he he then um died in paris in 1849 probably of tuberculosis um but it's nobody's really sure um <laughs> so wow i really shouldn't have laughed at that nope <laughs> well it's 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 kind of interesting with a lot of these composers the the older composer composers because like m- medicine wasn't a, it wasn't as developed as it is now and so sometimes there were mysteries re- revolving around people's deaths um and so it's a little interesting it's an intrigue Right, I remember when we looked at Mozart, I mean, he died at 35. Yeah. And 
they don't know what caused his death. They think it might have been military fever. And then other people argue that it could have been lead poisoning. And some people, like a, a certain movie, uh, I think it's I think the movie is called uh, Amadeus. Yeah, um, yeah. There are several Amadeus movies, though. So the, the one I'm referring to is where this guy, this rival of Mozart, uh, confesses to a priest that he murdered Mozart. Um, <laughs> well. Yeah. It's a very I, interesting movie. I think the autopsy proves that one wrong. Yeah, exactly. I will say that one. I will, well, I will say that much. Yeah. To get the words out there the right way. Um, but but more on Chopin. He uh, he basically every single piece com- in it was all piano. It was piano was his forte. Ha ha ha! Musical funds. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was a bad one. But, uh, yeah, he he always included piano in every single one of his pieces. Um, and he was he was really just um, he was just kind of this the stereotypical romanticism artist. Do we know at what age he actually did die? Is there a number? Um, he was born in eighteen ten and died on uh in 1849 so that would be 39 that is young yeah yeah 38 39 yeah yeah that's really young wow but he did have a a an admirer in his last years of life who sent oh. him to scotland she paid for everything for him like he never he he had a failed engagement at one point in mm-hmm. his life but uh this admirer really really admired him and and I- i'm trying to picture chopin in a kilt yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's an of interesting all the image. places to send someone Scotland, especially at that time. If I'm not mistaken, they they were having a lot of civil wars at that time. But I could be wrong. Yeah. I'm not very versed in British history, so <laughs> I'm not even going to try. I think that might have been Ireland. I don't, it was that whole area. Yeah, just in general, people were not happy with Britain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, the first piece we have up tonight from Chopin is Etude Number 12, which is called the Revolutionary Etude. And for those of you who don't know, Etude means study. So this would be something you would use to teach. So when you listen to this, imagine being his student. Is That's the only way I know how to put that. <laughs> so enjoy Etude Number 12, the Revolutionary Etude by Chopin. Thank you. 
KUOZ 100.5 is an FCC-licensed radio station operated by the University of the Ozarks, Clarksville, Arkansas. You are listening to From the Concert Hall, here on KUOZ 100.5 FM, community radio from University of the Ozarks here in Clarksville, Arkansas. Welcome back to From the Concert Hall. I'm your host, Corbin Sturch. And I'm Kathleen Mowry. And tonight we are talking about romantic music. Well, let me let me rephrase that. Music of the romantic era. <laughs> <laughs> I know the, the post we did on Facebook could be a bit misleading with the violin and the sheet music and the rose petals. <laughs> well, that, that was slightly on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Oh... Uh, now, we just heard the, revoli- the revolutionary etude by Chopin. Again, etude meaning study. So, I mean, I'm just curious. Kathleen, how would you have felt being a piano student of Chopin's and having to like, learn this as a study for piano? Well, I the only time I took piano was in first grade um, for a year. And I can still play uh, very very poorly, one piece of music. Um, <laughs> joyful, joyful. We adore thee. Um, not very good. And so uh, hearing that, I, I hear it as sounding very difficult. But I know several people, including you, who have actually played it and say that it's it's not as hard to learn. But hearing that, it sounds very intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I said, I think it's more, to me, it feels like it's a lot of being able to pivot over your thumb. And pivot around your thumb. It's a it's a technique piece. It's a yeah. It a, lot you a lot of Chopin's work really is. Yeah, um, especially these etudes. That's what they're made to do. It's not just like it's not difficult because it's it's a lot of a lot of notes to play. It's difficult because it's a lot of notes to play. But, but you if if you have the right technique, then you can play it. All right. Now you're not going to just sit down and play that at a speed. No. <laughs> Unless you're like so got your. You got your bachelor's, your master's, your doctorate, and your PhD all at Juilliard, and then you're just like, okay, all here we piano. go. <laughs> yeah, all in piano. Didn't do anything else. You're a child prodigy at that point. Um, yeah. And you did this all while you were 12. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. If you do it any point later than 12, you're not a prodigy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Even if it's 12 in one day, you right. you have to be at least below 12. That's child prodigy rules. I, I do believe it is. Are you sure it's not like seven, actually? it. I think it gets younger and younger every single year. It seems like I think it. at this point it's like 18 months. You have better be playing violin and piano both fluently. I mean, you've got tiger moms now enrolling their kids at piano at the age of one. How do you even play piano at the age of one? I, I honestly don't know. I don't even know how you could teach someone at that young age. I mean... One of the things I was privileged <sighs> enough to study when I was at Martha Interlochen was piano pedagogy with um, Dr. Aaron um, Dr. Aaron Bennett from Florida State. Uh, she was teaching a piano piano pedagogy class along with Dr. Benson, Dr. Michael Benson. That's the name I was looking for. They both co-taught this class, and looking back on it, I still have no clue how. St- you could teach someone at such a young age. No, I don't, I don't really understand it either. Um, but at the same, like, I feel like there are ways to teach like basic, 
basic things like you know how how kids are given like xylophones as kids and then they'll play them they won't have any like sheet music to go with it but they're learning music and they're learning that certain things make certain noises my my biggest my biggest issue with what's called the suzuki method which is what you're talking about that learning through rote learning oh copy me is that you never actually learn music you learn how to mimic something which is great for playing by ear, but what does that do for you as a musician, really? I think that's how a lot of people are with them um, in in choir sometimes. Not at U of O, because a lot of people at U of O played a lot of instruments in high school, or they did like, oh, things. Yeah. But I know that when I was in high school choir, um, my the director of our choir decided to start teaching basic music theory at the beginning of the semester each time someone new came into the class, because oh. he realized that... <laughs> They didn't know what a quarter note was. Um, because you can be able to sing. You can be able to sing very well. But... Unless if, you know music theory. Then you're not going to be able to learn your part unless you're listening to someone else who knows the part. And then it just takes a long time. Right. And it, again, you know, people say, well, you learn quarter notes and stuff when you're in like first, second, third grade. That That's true. But at the same time, that's in a general music education classroom with like 30 to 50 other people and how how much do you really remember from first grade exactly (laughs) it may get retaught to you every year but because there's so many people it's really hard to pick up on yeah it's it's i had a music theory course when i was in sixth grade and i remembered basics like what's a quarter note what's a quarter (laughs) rest blah 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 and then i took ap music theory in 10th grade which was um really difficult Uh, (laughs) and I learned everything and now I'm taking musicianship which is basically music theory I've taken it all year this year and it's it's been a refreshing it's it's been a refresher and if you don't keep up with your music theory you'll lose it oh yeah um but anyways (laughs) (laughs) see just to play off your sixth grade music theory story I've just got to pick on myself because I remember my sixth grade music theory class, the only thing I remember coming out of that class is how to square dance. We learned how to square dance and how to bow a violin. That's weird. Um, yeah, yeah, it I is. I can understand the violin being related, but, but square dancing? We had some board member at the school at the time who was a caller for square dancing. Oh, my goodness. And so they worked that into the curriculum somehow. And we learned how to square dance. What? We didn't even learn how to waltz. And that's a huge thing in music. That's that's <laughs> bizarre. Um. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Isn't it? But congrats. You know how to square dance. <laughs> it's like music theory. If you don't keep up with it. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I, you know, I probably still could. But I haven't tried to square dance. And like, that was six, so seven, almost eight years ago now. Maybe it's like riding a bike, and you'll <laughs> just you'll just remember it all of a sudden. That's what I tell people about playing piano. Yeah, I mean it kind of is. I can teach myself new pieces of music because I can read music. Um, it's just I can only play things that are in one hand. Um, right, because you haven't taught yourself and trained yourself yet to use both hands. Yeah, I can. I can like. It, it's like those people that don't know how to type properly and so they use one finger except i'm able to use my whole hand right i just can't play chords 
I can play one note at a time. And that's all I've ever wanted. <laughs> See, I, I try to tell people all the time that when you learn piano, it's just like learning to type. It really is. I mean, it's the same It's the same basic concept, and you can get carpal tunnel from both of them, so they're, <laughs> they're related. Yeah. Yeah, they're both can be bad for your hands with wrong <laughs> technique. Yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're both... Uh, they're both very similar in, in certain aspects, and you can get away with just boop, 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 boop. Uh, I, <laughs> you can't see me while I just did that. I Sometimes I forget. just one finger. I'm just using one finger and mimicking playing piano. I I forget that it's a radio and not a TV show sometimes, <laughs> and right? that's, that's a sign that I'm not getting enough sleep. Um, <laughs> it's, we're getting closer and closer to finals week. That's, that's what's happening. Truth. Well... We should probably get back to Chopin, or we're going to rant on forever. Oh, forever. Up next, we have another etude by Chopin, the Black Keys Study etude, which, you know, just saying, makes no sense, study and etude, and the same little line there. So this is the Black Keys etude, etude, just for the for the joy of saying that, <laughs> by Frédéric Chopin. Enjoy. KUOZ 100.5 is an FCC-licensed radio station operated by the University of the Ozarks, Clarksville, Arkansas. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to From the Concert Hall here on KUOZ 100.5 FM, community radio from the University of the Ozarks here in Clarksville, Arkansas. Welcome back to From the Concert Hall. I'm your host, Corbin Starch. And I'm Kathleen Mowry. And tonight on From the Concert Hall, before I make this mistake again, we are talking about music from the Romantic Era. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not error. That's era. E-R-A. <laughs> oh, it's actually been a really fun show tonight. Just so Agreed. random. <laughs> we have learned so much about each other in our music theory background. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> from typing to square dancing to... Who knows what's next? Well, actually, that's a lie. I do know what's next. 
Up next is Anthony Dvorak. Dvorak is a Czechoslovakian composer. He was born, I want to say, in the late 19th century, 1880s, I want to say. And despite popular belief, he was not born into poverty. His father was an innkeeper and a butcher. And he was also an amateur musician. And so his father and his mother both supported him as a musician from early childhood. And he learned piano and violin and got sent to the Prague Organ School, where he graduated from at 18. He later went on to get a position teaching in the Prague Conservatory and ended up coming to America and teaching at the National uh, Music Conservatory, the National Academy of Music. Um, actually, I can't remember which one it is. But I want to say, for the sake of argument, I'm going to say National Music Conservatory right now. But if I'm not mistaken, I think that later became Juilliard. I may need to check on that one, if we could. Um, I've got my fact checker quickly typing away with her little one-figure type here. (laughs) Yep, uh, folks, we are waiting on information to figure out if the National Music Conservatory here in the United States later became Juilliard. (laughs) Oh, wow, how this show has changed. (laughs) It's really hard to type with one finger. Um, (laughs) Can I just say that? Yes, yes, Uh, you can. But um, uh, this is one of those moments when I just wish I had, like, this telegraph sound going on in the background while we're waiting on information. (laughs) Anyways, but Dvork later came to America and took the position teaching there and helped develop what became known as the American style of music. We know him, well, we really know him well for his New World Symphony, which featured Largo as its second movement. And then, well, just to make a note on Largo, a lot of people probably know it as Dumbledore's Farewell from Harry Potter. They used the theme from Largo in that. All right, fact checker checking in. Um, the National Conservatory of Music of America um, was not Juilliard. They it did not become Juilliard. No, they the decline in it happened because of com- competing conservatories like Juilliard and Juilliard itself. I want to say that they were in New York, correct? Yes, yes. I think Juilliard actually owns one of their buildings. Is why I thought that. Probably at this point, yeah, since it it's. Um, completely declined actually yeah i think they bought the main concert hall from that building because it had a huge four manual skinner organ in it yeah there was there's no operation of the the conservatory of music of america past 1930 one of our faithful listeners actually just just commented in saying that juilliard was founded in 1905 as the institute of musical art so no i I am most definitely wrong exactly (laughs) But, I Which mean, is that's, why we have fact checkers. Yep, that's why we have one finger typing fact checkers. Hey, it worked, didn't it? It absolutely <laughs> boop, did. Boop, boop, boop. <laughs> but he helped found Dvorak helped found the what became known as the American style of music. Granted, he isn't credited for coming up with the all of what's known as the American style of music, but he helped set the basis for it. Eventually, he moved back to Prague after. His funding in America ran out. He was he was funded by a very wealthy family. And when the Depression set in, he had to go back. The Depression hit the family's fortune hard, and so he wasn't able to stay in the States any longer. So he went back and eventually died in Prague. And just a random side note, 
Before he came to America, he was teaching piano in Prague and actually married one of his students. I always found that really interesting. But we do have one piece by Dvorak tonight that we're going to play for you, and it's called Adagio. I'm sure most of you will recognize that Dvorak's music is actually quite famous. I, I, I mean, every time I hear something of his, I'm just like, oh, I've heard that somewhere else is this. <laughs> I mean, it just goes to show you how music influences later music. Yeah. You'll you'll hear a song and you'll be like, I didn't... What, what's that called? What's that called? And and then you, you go on yeah. Google and you have no idea what to type in because you don't know the name of it. You can't describe classical music. But <laughs> you finally find what it is and, and it's an exciting process. Right, because... Google doesn't take that whole da 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 dee da. <laughs> yeah. You can't just type da's and d's and dums <laughs> in Google and. <laughs> Come on, Google, get on that. Exactly. But here it is Adagio by Anthony Dvorak. Enjoy. KUOZ 100.5 is an FCC-licensed radio station operated by the University of the Ozarks, Clarksville, Arkansas. Thank you for tuning in. You are listening to From the Concert Hall here on KUOZ 100.5 FM, community radio from University of the Ozarks here in Clarksville, Arkansas.
Welcome back to From the Concert Hall. I'm your host, Corbin Sturch. And I'm Kathleen Mowry. And tonight we have been talking about music from the Romantic era. No, folks, that's not ballads and love songs. Well, sometimes it is. Sometimes they are, but... <laughs> sometimes uh, they are. Just to, just to throw in here, uh, Romanticism is, is more like spiritual, nature-based stuff. Um, it's it's a, a type of... It, the Romantic era is is not just it's not just music it's it's art it's literature and a lot of the literature and the art was focusing on on nature and you'll find that some of the romantic pieces are named after some spiritual or some some more um well maybe not this next one. Oh, oh man so excited <laughs> i think our listeners will be too whenever they figure out what it is well before we introduce the piece we probably should interview introduce the composer Felix. Felix Mendelssohn. Um, <laughs> I love singing Mendelssohn stuff. I I love it. It's it's one of my favorites. I um, used to hate playing his music, I'm not going to lie, <laughs> until I figured out that it's supposed to be choppy, like with the organ. Like, I used to play the Wedding March, and as I said, used to. I don't play it anymore. Yeah. Um, or I used to try to, rather, <laughs> is a better way to put that. Nice. And I always tried to make that thing legato, and I could not do it. Yeah. And finally someone told me one day, that's not supposed to be legato. And I was just like, that explains a whole, whole lot. Because <laughs> it was just impossible. Well, uh... Anyways, uh, back to Mendelssohn. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> Mendelssohn, uh, Mendelssohn was also considered a prodigy but his parents realized that that might not be the best way to go in life so they they didn't like seek uh to capitalize on his talent um he was pretty successful in germany and um he he was really interested in in bach music and he he kind of uh focused on that and revived interest in bach um and he had he had kind of like conservative musical tastes um, that set him apart from some of his other, some of the other composers in the early Romantic period. Um, he wrote some symphonies, some concerti, some oratorios, a lot of piano music and a lot of chamber music. He was he's kind of a jack of all trades. He did a lot of stuff. That to me is the weirdest word, concerti. I'm, I'm yeah. just saying. It, <laughs> if you think about it, really, it kind of is. It is. It's a super weird word. Um, and I had to look it up once because I, I kept saying concertos. And someone was like, <laughs> it's concerti. And I was like, this is not happening right now. We're not having a debate about this. It's totally concertos. And then I looked it up and a lot of people said it was concerti. So I guess Oof. I concede. Um, <laughs> but he he just did a lot of really great stuff. And um, he... For a little while, some of his stuff wasn't um, wasn't popular because of anti-Semitism. He was he was born Jewish. He had very Ooh. Jewish facial features. Um, Is it weird that I didn't know that about Mendelssohn? Because he he was baptized as a Christian um, oh, in his oh. later life, but he was born Jewish, um, and so due to due to some of the anti-Semitic opinions um, that have been around for thousands of years. Right. Uh, some people didn't like his music, and now he's viewed as one of the most popular composers of the Romantic era. So, congratulations, Mendelssohn. 
I, I was just told that if I think that concerti is a weird word, I could I should think of the word intermezzi. I don't even know what that word is, and I it sounds complicated and hard to spell. Uh, well, I've got the spelling right here. If you want to check my f- check what that is. Okay, intermezzi. Boop boop boop. Right. I'm gonna get sound effects for this. Can we please? I yeah, we're gonna have to if we keep doing this. <laughs> Seriously. Maybe not tonight. Intermezzo keeps popping up. Um Well that can't be right. But I'm looking up on, on dictionary dot com. Uh so it is it is the plural form of of intermezzo. Um a brief entertainment between two acts of a play. Okay. Hold on just a second. Hello, caller. You're on KUZ 100.5. Hey, Corbin. This is Michaela. Hey. So, for anyone out there who doesn't always listen to the show, Michaela is one of our hosts here on From the Concert Hall. We gave her the night off, but I guess she had to call in and set us straight on something. <laughs> <laughs> As usual. So, actually, yeah, I'm, that was a bit of a lie. I asked her if she would be willing to call in and give us what her thoughts were <laughs> on romantic music, like the romantic era music. Well, actually, I've been studying a lot of romantic period mu- uh, music because I'm in the classicism and romanticism class on campus. And uh, actually, today, I just did a paper on it, at, or a presentation. And one of the main things I noticed whenever I was studying it is that Beethoven had one of the biggest impacts on the music as far as the transition from classicism to romanticism. He was one of the first composers to actually start doing that type of music. And he just kept progressing, and he did songs, you know, Everyone Knows the Moonlight Sonata and things like that. He just kept changing the music industry completely. That is interesting. But I guess it doesn't make sense. he's one of my favorite composers, so... All right, you were were fangirling the other day because I'm doing the Moonlight Sonata for my final recital piece this semester. Oh, I love the Moonlight Sonata so much. That's one of my favorites, too. <laughs> I've, I even, if you've ever heard of uh, You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, it's a musical. And at one point, it has Lucy singing to Schroeder. Um, mm-hmm. And she's singing while he's playing the Moonlight Sonata. And so it's like her <laughs> singing over it. And so the tune is really fun. You should look it up. Everybody should look it up. It's great. <laughs> oh. I've heard that before. I've seen that one. <laughs> Really? Oh my gosh, I love yeah. that show. You talked to me about it and I looked it up. Yes. Oh man. I'm feeling pretty good right now promoting promoting different Broadway shows. Um you know, you it's a it's a form of art and for those of you who don't know, Michaela was actually actually both of you were actors. Kayla and Kathleen Bowles were actors. Mhm. I like to say I'm just taking a break for college. Um <laughs> I I'm like not to- even taking a break. <laughs> I'd like to think that sometime after college, I might audition for like a, there's this place called the Weekend Theater in Little Rock, and a lot of people audition for shows there. Maybe I'll do that someday. I don't know. We'll figure it out. And there's little places around like Fort Smith and stuff like that. Yeah. There's, lots, there's theater everywhere. You won't miss out forever. Exactly. <laughs> well, thanks so much for calling in, Kayla. You have a great night. No problem. You too. Bye, Kayla. Bye-bye. Thank you. That was that was fun. Oh my goodness! You never know what's going to happen on this show, <laughs> especially tonight. Love is in the air. Oh my god! It's goodness. so romantic. That's not how romanticism <laughs> works, and you know it. I know, I know. <laughs> Lies. Well, here it is. Now that we've talked about it and we were laughing about it, 
the piece we're going to play by Mendelssohn tonight is called Dance of the Clowns. Ugh. Because, well, we're probably a bunch of clowns in here tonight. <laughs> Just <laughs> without all the makeup. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe we have it on. Accurate. Who knows? It's radio. <laughs> but here it is, Dance of the Clowns by Felix Mendelssohn. KUOZ 100.5 is an FCC-licensed radio station operated by the University of the Ozarks, Clarksville, Arkansas. Did you just look down at your phone? You did it again, didn't you? You know, you're flying down the road in a three-ton hunk of steel, and a text takes your eyes off the road for an average of five seconds. At 55 miles per hour, that's long enough to travel the length of a football field and cause some serious damage. Turn it off. Trust me, whatever it is, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. You are listening to From the Concert Hall, here on KUOZ 100.5 FM. Community radio from University of the Ozarks here in Clarksville, Arkansas. Welcome back to From the Concert Hall. I'm your host, Corbin Sturch. And I'm Kathleen Mowry. And tonight, love is actually not in the air, even though we are talking about music of the Romantic Era. And, you know, I say it's not in the air because Romantic Era music does not mean love songs and ballads. Nope, nope, nope. (laughs) So I hope you've enjoyed the show tonight. It's definitely been a diverse one, and we've still got a ways to go before it's over. Two more composers. So, Kathleen, would you like to introduce us to Brahms? Right now. Yeah, Brahms. Um... (laughs) Johannes Brahms um, was born in Hamburg, um, and he spent most of his professional life in uh, Vienna, Austria. Um, Sometimes he's grouped with Bach and Beethoven as the the three Bs, um, and I think that's that's kind of funny because (laughs) the three Bs, they sound like a little group. Um, Where's the the three Rs? I don't, man, I don't know. Um, (laughs) 
but uh, he he composed for piano, chamber ensembles, symphony, uh, symphony orchestra, voice, chorus. Um, he did a lot of stuff just like Mendelssohn. Um, and he was a pianist himself, and um, he premiered many of his own works, and he he was just a, a very great pianist. Um, and many of his works uh, have become staples of the of the modern concert repertoire. Um, like- some people described him as a perfectionist uh, because of his music being just so um, so so structured perfectly, and and it it's it really fits into the era. Um, I like to kind of laugh sometimes because one thing I like to note, one thing I like to tell people is you know. Brahms wrote probably what's the most famous lullaby in the world. Literally, the song called Lullaby. Yeah. Which is a song a lot of mothers will sing to their kids at sleep at night. Da, 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 da. That's Brahms. Yeah. And it's a beautiful piece. I actually sat down the other day at the piano. I was looking at one of my piano theory books, and it had two different versions of that in it. One of them had triplets in the bass. Like um, arpeggiated triplets, mm-hmm. and the other one was just um, quarter notes, and so it was. It was interesting, very interesting. Well, Brahms is um, one thing about Brahms is that he he's he's very firmly rooted in in Baroque and classical, like he really respected Baroque and classical music, and and the people that really led that, um, and so he. He worked a lot with that, but he's also considered an innovator of of romanticism because he he broke some of the um, comp- compositional rules of Baroque and classical and and kind of paved the way. I feel um, like Dr. Gorman would be having a cow with that one because of broken compositional rules. Oh my goodness! I yeah, those are phrases we shouldn't use. Broken compositional <laughs> rules on this show. Oh, musicianship is such a fun class, and I love Dr. Gorman. <laughs> I think anyone who's ever listened to the show or stuck with the show knows just how much everyone here at this university really cares for Dr. Gorman. She actually just won, I think it was the Bagwell Award for an outstanding faculty member. She she wins the award of my favorite teacher, and <clears throat> give me an A. <clears throat> oh, sorry, sorry. Whoa, got a really bad cough just then. Um. <laughs> yeah, excuse you, excuse you. <laughs> <laughs> but really, I do. I I adore Dr. Gorman, and it's amazing how she. I mean, she she has adjunct professors helping her, but she's, she's she it. undertakes a lot of a lot of responsibilities, a lot of um, just a lot of work. It's going to be hard next semester. I mean, one of the adjuncts, Bethany, the piano teacher, is is pregnant. Her yes. baby's due in the fall. So she's going to be, and Bethany does so much. Oh my goodness, yes. She Bethany accompanies does. both choirs, teaches piano, accompanies recitals. Yes. She's, so now, we'll just see how that turns out. Um, <laughs> I think the I think the last word I heard on that was that Dr. Gorman was going to take over piano lessons for a little bit while Bethany was out on maternity leave. Oh man. Oh, oh man. You know, I was a little afraid like of taking piano next semester because so i was like how's dr groman gonna be as a piano professor and then i thought oh wait i take her for organ she's not bad at all <laughs> <laughs> like i don't even know why that thought crossed my mind i just can't imagine her scheduling into her already very busy schedule um, oh i know piano I'm, lessons 
Uh, I am really s- just, I feel for her and how much she has to do. She is a martyr for music. Um, she is. That Someday she'll be declared though. a saint. Yes. Of Ozarks. Yes. <laughs> like, that's a thing. That's going to be a thing. We're going to make it a thing. Oh, definitely. We're going to start the canonization process now. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just send word to the Vatican. Oh, definitely. You have them on, on speed dial. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a den with the Sisters of St. Scholastica and Fort Smith. They can, <laughs> they've got a council on Vatican affairs. They can advise me on how to go forward with this. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, before we get too far off topic and fangirl too much on Dr. Gorman, we uh, probably should get back to Brahms and introduce his next, well, the piece we're going to be playing by him tonight, his Hungarian Dance Number no. 5. It's a very lively piece, and you'll definitely see why it's called the Hungarian Dance whenever you hear it. So enjoy as, if, as we play Hungarian Dance Number no. 5 by Johannes Brahms. KUOZ 100.5 is an FCC-licensed radio station operated by the University of the Ozarks, Clarksville, Arkansas. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to From the Concert Hall here on KUOZ 100.5 FM, community radio from the University of the Ozarks here in Clarksville, Arkansas. Welcome back to From the Concert Hall. I'm your host, Corbin Sturge. And I'm Kathleen Mowry. And tonight we've reached what is the last segment of our show where we say our goodbyes and 
talk about the last piece we're going to play tonight, although tonight we're also going to talk about yet another composer tonight as we get ready to introduce our last piece. But before we do that, I would just like to point out that last piece, the Hungarian Dance by Brahms. It, I mean, you could definitely tell what I mean whenever I say you can see why it's named that. Yeah. Oh, that was... Like, <laughs> listening to that piece, I just think of Fiddler on the Roof. Yeah. And I'm just imagining some some older man sitting with his arms crossed across his chest, just like, like crouched down and kicking out in front of him. I don't know what that's called. I don't know what that dance is called either, but I want to know how to do it. Um, I feel like it probably requires, like, thighs of steel um, and calves of steel and yeah. generally, like, very strong muscles. Um, <laughs> See, my little brother could do that when he was young. I've not, I don't think he's tried to do it in years, but he used to could actually do that. That's so impressive. <laughs> yeah, it was, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, I wanted to dance to that. I wanted to, to learn to dance to that as soon as I heard it. I think everyone who's ever seen that dance wants to be able to do that. Yes, yes. The dork and everyone comes out and we're just like, that. <laughs> that right there. But our last composer tonight is Tchaikovsky, correct, Kathleen? Yes. Um, Tchaikovsky was a Russian composer. Um, and honestly, I just want to say that that's like a... That's kind of a out there thing. I don't hear a lot about Russian composers, and so it it, it, it is an out there thing. Yeah, because a lot of the the classical and romantic and baroque is is England and Germany, and everything's written in German and Italian. And I mean, it's in Europe. Yeah, and so that's it, Asia actually. Yeah, so Russian Russian composer. Um, there were symphonies, concertos or concerti, whichever you prefer. Um, <laughs> Operas, ballet, chamber music, um, and uh, the choral setting of the Russian Orthodox Divine Liturgy is something also. Um, That's actually quite beautiful. And uh, he he was the first Russian composer whose music made a lasting impression internationally. He was the he was the real the he really kicked off Russia's Russia's uh, I guess recognition for music. Um, and. Or I guess the world's recognition of Russia for music um, is a better way to say that. But um, he made a real lasting impression. And he made appearances as a guest conductor uh, in Europe and the United States. Um, he even, he was at the inaugural concert of Carnegie Hall in New York City in 1891. Um, wow. Yeah, he just, he, he traveled a lot um, for his music and... He was he was educated for a career as a civil servant, but um Wow, tables turned there. Yeah, there there wasn't a lot of opportunity for a music career in Russia at the time and there was there's no system for public music education. Um so when he got that chance, he went for it. He immediately went for it um at the Saint Petersburg Conservatory. Um and he was just taught a very Western-oriented um, musical style, and that made him, that set him apart from other Russian composers. It most certainly did. I mean, to become the first one recognized internationally from Russia, that's that's a huge deal. Yes, yes. Um, he had a he had a kind of not kind of he had a rough life. He he suffered from depression, um, starting with some some family issues um his mother um he left his mom for for boarding school and she she died early and he had um several 
several losses of some friends and um he was also uh homosexual which which added to his struggle because in that time period that was really yeah um wow that's something i actually did not know (laughs) yeah i mean he kept it he kept it private um and he he died suddenly at the age of 53 and people generally think that it was from cholera um but it some people think it might have been uh accidental or self-inflicted so it's hard to say with depression yeah he was he was just a a great talent and he although he lived longer than than some other composers it was still still an early death yeah well before we play our last piece tonight which i know our listeners are going to love even though it's a little out of season (laughs) for it just a little just a little yeah only a few months you know about half a year something like that (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i'd just like to remind all of our listeners that you can find us on facebook at facebook.com forward slash from the concert hall we are still giving away a shirt. You have until Thursday to like to give away f- to like before we give away for the shirt, and we'll be giving away the shirt Thursday night on the show. So like it up on Facebook, and your name will be entered in for a chance to win that shirt. And we will actually be having one more drawing before the end of the year, and that'll be given on our last show, and that's a signed first edition set of Dr. Greta Marlowe's books. That's both of the books autographed. We'll ship them to you. We're going to be selecting from someone who likes the page. So just a fair warning and a heads up. Those two things are coming up, so it's a good reason to like our Facebook page and get your name in for a chance to win either of those two items. And and I really encourage doing that because I don't know where else... Uh, I don't remember from our interview where she said you could get the book, but um, this Amazon. is... Yeah, Amazon. Um, but... This is this is a really good chance to get it. Um, if you're really bad at forgetting about doing things, if you've got a huge wish list of stuff on Amazon like I do, then this, this is, is a good chance to jump that to go for it. You might forget that you liked the Facebook page, and then you'll get a call from us saying that you won them, and you'll be like, "Yes, finally!" <laughs> exactly. Well, we also have a Twitter at ftch underscore kuoz. Again, that's at FTCH underscore KUOZ. We're on Instagram because we believe radio can have a face. And that's at KUOZ Concert Hall. Again, that's at KUOZ Concert Hall. That's the at sign, not AT at. And then last we, lastly, oh, wow, I'm losing my ability to talk after such a fun show. <laughs> we are also, just in the normal old email, we have a Gmail. You can reach us through Gmail at from the concert hall radio at gmail.com. Again, that's from the concert hall radio at gmail.com. And even though it's a little out of season, to play us off into the night and to wish everyone out there a merry evening and a happy tomorrow. I was trying to think of how to play that one off. <laughs> we have the march from the Nutcracker Suite by Tchaikovsky. Enjoy. <laughs> 